0: Father, thank you that we can come into your presence, not because we deserve it, but we've done anything for it. It was you sending your son to die for us on the cross so that we can have life. We thank you for this, Lord. And as we are together in your name, Lord, we thank you that you promised that you are here with us. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you will open our eyes, our heart, our minds to hear and to see you more clearly. Grant us the grace, Lord, to apply those things that we hear you say and to become that what is pleasing in your sight. We thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It's great to uh, be back. It's 2022. But before we get there, we want to ask Craig and Francie to come up. For those of you that don't know them, they are from Claymont. Um, Craig has been born and raised there. His father was a pastor, and um, he went to study law and practiced, and then the Lord called him back to the ministry. And uh, this morning, we want to ordain them a second time. We did it the first service, but it is kind of the second time. We've never ordained somebody twice, but of course we have two services um, We just want to ordain them as elders and send them to uh, lead the congregation that we are planting next week in Claymont. Um, So, um, yeah, we're starting our services there. Uh, Craig and Francie will be leading that congregation. And uh, if you want to join us next week, um, you are more than welcome. Um, Their services start at 9 o'clock in the morning. Um, We will be preaching here, Werner is preaching next Sunday, I will be that side, Um, but um, please um, also consider to support um, them and the church that is planted there, and and so we just want to uh, pray a blessing over them and send them as elders to do what God called them to do. Amen. Let's just close our eyes, and if you could just stretch out your heart, if you want to stretch out your hands, you're more than welcome. Um, Let's just pray a blessing over them. Is yes, Father, we thank you for Craig and Francie and their heart for you and their willingness to respond to the call that you have on their life, uh, to lead, to shepherd, to care, and to feed your flock. And Lord, we ask that you will grant them wisdom, revelation, strength, compassion, and love to do so in a manner that would reflect you and bring glory to you. Lord, we ask that you will bless them, protect them, and add to the church daily those who are being saved. And that it would be a monument, a testimony of your kingdom continually growing everywhere in the world. And so we thank you for them and we bless them. We acknowledge the call on their life and send them in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, we thank you that we can just pray an immeasurable amount of joy, Father God, over them on this journey, Father God. I thank you, Father, that you will just open doors, Father God, that you will make straight the paths, that you will raise up the valleys and flatten the hills in front of them, Father God, and that on this journey, Father God, that your joy, Father God, will just be a banner above them, Father God, and that they will be a city on a hill, Father God, that cannot be hidden, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, And with this church, with this community, we just acknowledge um, their testimony, Lord, that uh, we can say they love you, Lord, um, that they've got a marriage built on Christ and they've got children, Lord, that's being raised um, in the knowledge and the love of Jesus, Lord. And as a community, we can say yes, Lord, um, for their testimony. And we are very excited, excited Lord, of what you want to do and claim on Jesus. Amen. Great, awesome, double anointing. Twice. Great. As I mentioned before, it is 2022, and I'm very excited. Um, I, w- I want to I want to share out of um, Psalms 19, um, but but uh, as a continuation, actually, of what the Lord has been, I believe, speaking to us as a church from last year and what really excites me about this year i I, i'm i'm excited about life i'm excited about the church and and most of all i'm excited about god and what he is doing in and through his church all over the world uh, as we are drawing closer to his return I, i i was resting for a a couple of weeks for two weeks i did not preach but this sermon i 've finished last year already, and it 's just as the Lord has been dealing and speaking to me about this and um, this weekend, I, I just had to do the introduction it 's all I had to do, and it took me such a long time because it 's so difficult to share what I want to share without the context of what God has been saying already from last year, and it 's really grounded um, in, in Revelations 19. And so I want us to go to Revelation 19 before we go to Psalm 19 and, and just get the context of what I believe the Lord is saying to us today. Revelations 19, we, we shared around the, this climax of history when, when Christ returns for his church. And we see here from verse 8, Hallelujah, for the Lord God the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come, and the bride, which is the church, has made itself made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure for the linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. so the bride, the church, has made herself ready it 's kind of the exclamation of this. Um, anticipation of the end times when Christ returns for his bride and she has made herself ready. And so last year we started to look at at the end times. There are just so many rumors and so many events taking place that um, uh, presses on our hearts the urgency that the end is near. Now I by no means declare that it is the end times except that we are closer than ever before. Because in my studying of the end times and what Jesus taught us concerning it, it became very evident two things that stood out for me. First of all, um, Jesus, when when he was asked this question about when will the end come, he he, he explained the signs uh, that would uh, grant us insight that the time is near. And as he explained that, what is so powerful, what Jesus said at the end of those things here in in Matthew chapter 24 from verse 33, is quite revealing and, and challenging, but very helpful when Jesus declared, he said, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And so what Jesus was saying, these are the signs that will show you that the end is near, but these signs will take place in that generation. And what is evident throughout the early church, church history and the, the decades and centuries up to now is that every single generation had enough signs to point to the fact that Jesus can come at any moment. And so we are just another generation that looks at the signs and we see that the coming of Jesus can happen any day. And Jesus himself declared, I don't even know when the hour is. Only my father knows. And then what is so interesting, the second thing that stood out for me, whenever Jesus spoke about these things, he moved the focus and the emphasis of the conversation to this one central point. is that you must be ready. You do not know when it will come, but you must be ready. And so the Holy Spirit speaks throughout the generations to all believers in every generation to be ready because it can happen. At any moment. And so we are closer than ever before. And again like those centuries and and decades before us. We see the signs. And our spirit yearns. In an urgency. And sometimes we get so distracted in trying to discern the signs. Without asking the question. What shall we do? Concerning these things. Who shall we be? How shall we be ready? And that's what we've been focusing on. What is so interesting, um, Revelation exalts the fact that God Almighty reigns the, 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 the Lamb and the Bride is together. And then this powerful statement that, that the Bride has made herself ready. And um, that analogy I used a number of times. But what is so interesting for me is what qualifies us to be the Bride of Christ. It's not our works. It is his grace and our faith in his grace that qualifies us to be the bride. There's nothing that we can do that, that, that qualifies or deserves us to be chosen to be part of the bride. It's only his grace. So by grace through faith, we qualify to be the bride. But what makes the bride beautiful is the dress. Like any wedding. When we see that bride walk down the aisle in this beautiful dress, all the time and effort it took to make and to present it to the bridegroom. And what is so interesting, what Revelation says, is what makes the bride beautiful is the fine linen. And then it explains what it is. What is it that makes the bride so beautiful? It is the righteous deeds of the saints. I remember when, when we got married Um, 20 years ago. (laughs) I still remember that day very vividly. Two weeks before the wedding, my wife decided she's going to rent a dress and she found one that she really liked. And then two weeks before the wedding day, she decided, you know what? This is not exactly what I want. And I only get married once. I think I'm going to have my dress made two weeks before the wedding. And so that's exactly what she did. The final fitting was on the wedding day. But when she walked down that aisle, it was perfect. It was beautiful. She she wasn't satisfied with a good dress. She wanted a perfect one. And so she was granted to wear a perfect dress. Because there was a desire to be beautiful. And that, I believe, and that is how my prayer for us and for myself this year is that God will grant us this desire to want to be ready for his return. Our love and our desire for him motivates us to make ourselves beautiful for him. And, and, and this is not out of compulsion or obligation or from a religiousness but a desire to understand him, to know what is pleasing him, and do the things, so that we may not just please him, but, but, but understand and know him more. It reminds me of Jeremiah 9, which we spoke about, that, that says the following, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich Man boasts in his riches, but let him boast, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. I mean, that's the meaning of life. That we may understand and know God. A desire to do that. If, if there's a desire, let it not be your wisdom and your might and your wealth, but let it be your understanding and knowing of God. Moses was called the friend of God. And we see this desire in him when he, when he encounters God on the mountain. And, 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 and he says, in, in, in Exodus 33, he says, Lord, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways that I may know you. And that I may continue to find favor in your sight. Lord, Lord teach me your ways. I want to understand you so that I can know you. And, and, and so we see this desire that, that motivates to understand and do the things that are pleasing in God's sight. This, this word to know in, in Hebrew is yada, which literally means intimacy. God, teach me your ways. Help me to understand who you are so that I can be intimate with you. So the question this morning as believers, how do we prepare ourselves to be ready for his return? Where do we begin from here? We, we all have faith. And have responded to God's grace. And now we stand here in 2022. And, and again all these signs point to the fact that we need to make ourselves ready. I think the purpose of the signs is not to give us a date. But to encourage us to be ready. Because it's going to come like a thief in the night we don't know when. And if not in our lifetime. Maybe in our children's. Maybe in their children's. It's irrelevant. The only thing that matters is that we are ready. It's the only thing that matters. So how do we get ready? I believe it starts, as believers, it it starts with this desire. It starts with a desire to be beautiful for him. A desire that will let the one dress go for another. To improve, in a sense. To change, to become what God desires us to be. Not to be satisfied with mediocrity, but, but to strive for perfection. Not that that assures or guarantees our salvation. No, we're already saved, but because we know what, and we understand what is pleasing to him, we, because we love him and we desire him, we want to do the things that are pleasing in his sight. You know, as Hebrews 11 says, without faith it's impossible. Possible to please God. But those who come to him must believe that he exists. And that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. Because we have the desire we seek him earnestly to understand him so that we can know him more. And that is my prayer for us and myself. To grow in this desire. To understand and know him more in this year. More than ever before. Now with this in mind. Um, I want us to turn to to Psalm 19, written by David, a man after God's own heart, and and see this desire so powerfully, beautifully manifest through what he writes as he meditates upon who God is. I can almost imagine David sitting, as as we start off that first verse, Um, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. I can imagine David sitting at night observing the stars and creation around him and, 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 and meditating upon who God is until the sun rises in the morning. He is he, meditating through creation on who God is. He says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech, and night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun, like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at the one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived from its warmth. And I just want to stop there because David is reflecting on who God is through creation. He looks at the created word and he sees God's glory everywhere. And as he meditates on who God is in and through creation, looking at how God created. The Knowledge is revealed. When, when, we, when we sit in nature and we look at the perfection and the balance and the order and, and the detail and the majesty, it reflects who God is. His power, his wisdom, his genius, the detail and the beauty. And, and so as he does that, he also sees not only the revelation of who God is, knowledge of who He is, but but also He sees purpose in creation. He looks to the sun and He sees not only is it perfect in majesty and order and, and, and perfection, it actually gives warmth to everyone. You see, nature declares the glory of God for those who have a desire to know Him. It speaks... So loudly with words that cannot be heard. It can only be perceived by those who desire to know him. It reminds me of Romans chapter 1 and those who do not desire to know God. It says here in Romans 1 verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men. whom by their unrighteousness suppresses the truth, the truth of who God is. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, being clearly perceived even since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. And so through the created word, David sees God's invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature as he meditates upon nature On who God is. And he hears the speech that has no words. That reveals the knowledge of God. And it's so powerful what the word of God does. The created word. Nature around us. Nature declare that God exists. But it does not declare who he is. Only that he exists. And that he must be immensely powerful. Wise. It does not declare what kind of God this creator is. It does not declare what his character is like. Can he love and feel like we do? What does he love and what does he hate? Does he care about us? Does he know me? Does he love me? For that, we need to turn to something else. The written word. In the written word, these answers are given so powerfully, so plainly. For any to see. For any to hear. If the desire to know is there. And this is where David also turns to the word. And here he meditates on the word speech. From the created word to the written word. And then we read here from verse 7. As he meditates upon the written word. Hear what he says about this. He says the law of the Lord is perfect. The effect It's reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Is this a religious man or a man that desires after God? He has such a desire to know God, and as he reflects on the created word and then on the written word, he cannot but rejoice in what he sees and hears. David looks to scripture and not only sees that it is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, true, altogether righteous, but the written word also has an effect on us. Just like creation is awesome, but also has purpose, An effect on us, like the warmth of the sun, so does the word of God as purpose beyond revealing who God is. It has an effect on us. David says, it revives the soul, making wise the simple, rejoicing the heart, enlightening the eyes. And therefore, verse 10 continues, saying, it is to be desired more than gold, even fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Is this the heart of a religious person? (laughs) Or somebody that desires after God? Because of what it is, the revelation of who God is, and what its effect is on us, it is to be desired more than gold. To understand and know God is to be desired more than gold. And if we earnestly seek it, Oh, whether you're in nature or in His Word, you will find the knowledge of who God is. And so David writes about this. In verse 11, it continues, Moreover, over and above all these things, by them your servant is born, and in keeping them, there is great reward. You know, the Word of God is is. Is powerful in his revelation of who God is, and and, and and our understanding of who He is. What is His character? What is His desire? What is He like? What does He dislike? What is he? His truth? It it gives us God rails to life. It shows us the path. To knowing and understanding who God is and have fellowship with Him. And it gives us boundaries as to where this road leads and and in, in what way we can get to understand and know Him and what way not to. What is the road that leads closer to Him and what does lead us away from Him? It's powerful in its revelation. And through studying and meditating upon it, we gain understanding. And through that understanding, it leads us to greater intimacy of God. And this, verse 12, is where our need for God's grace begins. Understanding what is right and wrong is just the beginning. We need God's grace to stay on that road. And so David says the following... He says, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from my hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins and let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Our need for God's grace. Who then can discern his errors? You know, we we all sin. And often even without knowing it. If it wasn't for the word of God to declare us what is right and wrong, we would deviate, levitate towards what is wrong continually. And yet the word of God shows us what is right, what is pleasing in His sight, so that we can choose and ask God for His grace to walk that way. It was not for the word of God to show us. You know, none of us are perfect. And so we need God's grace on this journey. The word of God reveals also our sin and our need for forgiveness and for a savior. Someone to declare us innocent from our hidden faults. In the word of God, we, we gain a revelation that will keep us from presumptuous, willful sins. Grace in forgiveness and a relationship that will keep us from great transgression and make us blameless before God. Who can do that for us? Who can keep us from sin and make us blameless before God? Only Christ, Jesus. And how do we know that? How do we know of God's character and understand what he loves and what he hates and what is right and wrong except through the word of God but also where do we learn of his great grace and salvation through his son? It is the word of God. And so my desire for us, my prayer for us, is that we will grow in a desire to understand and know God more for ourselves. As Werner shared last week, that we will not be dependent on priests and fathers and others to interpret for us the word, but seek it ourselves. Read the scripture, meditate upon it, ask God to reveal himself through it. Because in there you will find a great treasure. Because in understanding him, you will lead you to knowing him. More intimately. And so my prayer for us is that desire will grow in us. That in this year it will become our priority of life. To understand and know him more. As we continue down this year. Who can do that for us but God alone. And that is. And this is where David ends off with these words in verse 14. It says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So powerful. David's response to understand and knowing God. a desire that, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing, acceptable in your sight. I don't, I don't care what the world says is right and wrong. I want to know what is your view on truth. What is your truth, God? Not my truth, the world's truth, but what is yours. I want to understand and know you, Lord. And I ask you, Father, as you show me these things, that the words of my mouth and the meditation on my heart would be pleasing in your sight. Is this a religious person speaking or a man that desires after God? It's his love and desire for God that drives him to ask God for his grace, to enable him to live in a way that is pleasing in his sight. David's desire is to live in a way that is pleasing to God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. It's a powerful prayer to pray. (laughs) Often when I'm in nature and I see everything, and how small I am, in relation to all that exists, I'm mindful of God's grace towards me. And I say, Lord... May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. (laughs) In a response to this grace and love you have for me. Let what I understand and know of you manifest in my life. That what I understand of you let it be the meditation of my heart. Let what I know of you proceed from me and be a reflection of you. That is a desire for God. That is a heart that wants to be ready for his return. To find out what is these righteous deeds that you desire us to do. To make ourselves beautiful for when you come. That is my prayer for me personally, for my family, and for us as a church. I want to ask The ushers to hand out the communion. When you entered, I I hope you took one of these. Who of you did not receive one of these cups? If you can just raise your hand for a moment and the ushers will come by. Now, what I want us to do is just to reflect on who God is, to understand what He has done for us. Because the greatest revelation that we find is the fact that He loves us so much that while we were still sinners, He gave His Son so that we can know Him more. So that we can come into His presence and know Him. And so this morning I want to grant us all an opportunity just to reflect as David reflects on who God is and and to respond to that. To respond to this great grace that he has extended towards us by sending his son to die for our sins so that we can be redeemed, so that we can be cleansed, so that we can be washed, so that we can be called children of God, so that we can come into his presence without fear and know him personally. And so I pray that this, this morning, as, as we reflect on this word, that amongst all our desires and And goals for this year, our New Year's revolutions, that that the greatest desire of it all is to understand and know God more. And and that we will pursue Him in, in meditating in His creation and especially on His Word. That we will read it in its simplicity and ask the Holy Spirit to show us what it means. And that we will meditate upon it until it becomes real to us and ask God for His grace to live it. That this year we will grow more in our understanding and intimacy of him. More than ever before. So before we eat together and drink together, I want to give you an opportunity. Just to spend some time with the Lord and just just reflect on your own desire and, and, and channel it towards God. Respond to him by saying, God, I want to know you more this year. I want to understand more and live in a way. That is pleasing in your sight. Let's just do that. Just for a moment. And then I will pray for the bread. We'll eat together. I'll pray for the cup and we'll drink together. But first, let's just spend a moment in God's presence. Just respond to him. Let's meditate upon the desires of our own heart. And make the greatest desire. The greatest priority. To understand and know God more. Let's just do that.